Hey guys, welcome back to the Holland One Golf Podcast. I'm your host, Jack Bull. Thanks very much for listening. Please remember to share the podcast on whichever platform you're listening on and also reach out on the social links listed below. Joining me on this episode is Mark Gouvier, who is a PGA professional golf coach and head of instruction at the stunning McInnes Golf Club in Southwest Wales, uh, which is the first Nicholas design course in Wales. Mark teaches players of all levels, including tour players. Make sure you check out his website, elitegolfcoach.com, and follow him on Instagram and YouTube, where he shares plenty of awesome insights and drills. His handle is Elite Golf Coach. Mark previously played on various regional tours against uh, the likes of European tour player Robert Rock, but his biggest passion has been coaching, and he shares plenty of insights into how he's developed local teams um, all the way up to becoming national champions. Mark also shares his philosophies around coaching and reflects on how coaching has changed over the course of his very long uh, teaching career, which began as soon as he left school. Hey, Jack, how are you? Hey, Mark, how's it going? Yeah, good, mate, good. How's, how's, uh, how's things been? You all busy? Yeah, it's been pretty good. Like, we're we're pretty much at home this week, though, because of uh, some restrictions that have come in. So, yeah, keeping God. ourselves busy at home, Mark. So how's it, how is it up there? So you're, you're in the middle of a lockdown then, or is it actually just restrictions in general? Um, yeah, it's basically a lockdown, um, but it depends kind of where you live because it's it's mainly just where I live in Auckland at the moment. Um, right. The rest of the country is pretty much, you know, uh, almost back to normal. I think they they can they can sort of play golf, but there are some restrictions. So, yeah, ho- hopefully we'll be back to normal in another couple of weeks. Oh, good man. Oh, fingers crossed now, isn't it? Yeah. Cra- no, we cra- crazy times. Crazy times, isn't it? Oh, big time. Yeah, well, we've, I mean, we've had a good run like the last year. Oh, the last nine months, we've probably been just life as normal, really, apart from the travel restrictions. And yeah. then, uh, yeah, so we didn't didn't have a really long la- lockdown last year. I think there was like two months um, off and on, which was which was pretty bad. But I know at some some places it was like most of last year, wasn't it? So yeah, yeah it's been <laughs> <laughs> nearly, eight, nearly eight months not working last year. It was crazy, crazy. Oh, time. wow. That's ever, I know it was nuts, isn't it? Because obviously, like golf was late coming back, and then coaching on a one-to-one basis was late was later coming back as well. So, you know, the first one was a bit of a shock, but then obviously in the second one in December, you know, I just think, oh, it'll be a month and we'll be, we'll be back into it. But I wasn't expecting it to be so long again. But um, yeah, I mean, we're lucky to be able to be able to get back into things and just resume as normal, really. And golf and golf is buzzing, isn't it? As a result, really. So it's um, sad situation, but you know, golf sort of benefited from it. Yeah, that's a strange phenomenon, isn't it? They're like golf, golf has, has ticked up big time, hasn't it, since uh, coronavirus? I mean, it's like the nineties again, isn't it? You know, when it was, you know, it was golf was in its prime, and you know, there was, you know, waiting lists for golf clubs, and, <laughs> and everyone was busy, and the, you know, the good old, the good old days. But uh, let's hope we make the most of it now, isn't it? Oh, definitely. Yeah. Well, there's all these <clears throat> kind of new people that have come into the game, haven't they? So, uh, looking for coaching for guys from guys like yourself and that. So, yeah. Hopefully, it'll keep growing. Hopefully, they won't just uh, pack up when uh, you know yeah. COVID goes. Yeah. Let's hope so, isn't it? Yeah. So, I mean, you're so you're based down in uh, McCannis McCannis Golf Club. Yeah. So, been there um, coming up to ten years now. So ten this is years, as wow. of yeah. So I went there from Morriston in yep. the end of 2011. So as of wow. the end of this year, I'll, I'll have finished my tenth year. So it's it's literally flown. I just can't believe how much. <laughs> how that time goes i was i was eight and a bit years nearly nine years at morriston wow so that's like 19, 19 years just in two jobs and it just seems like that I, it didn't seem in that long ago i was i was starting at morriston you know yeah. and now it's you know 
Yeah, that was wow. 2003. So, so they, have those been like your two two main sort of professional uh, jobs where you've been based out in? Yeah, so um, did my apprenticeship at Klein, uh, and then I was and then I was sort of doing a bit of playing, but still sort of coaching yeah. quite a lot um, in between the play. And then I then I worked at Hensel Golf Academy for two years, like a head teaching pro there. Yeah, uh, that was like 2000, 2002, and then sort of went back playing a little bit then, and then I got the job in Morriston, sort of yeah, two thousand and three. So and then and then I was lucky enough that Mahanis um, approached me in two thousand and end of 2011 about potentially coming over there as the head yeah. pro so it was that was that was really nice um and, you know just big change in facilities from from where I was at Morrison I actually I love the club there it's fantastic but as a coach it was quite restrictive you know the, the facilities compared to you going to Mohanes is the other extreme where you've got everything you ever want um you know as a great environment for people to learn and and for you to coach yeah no that's awesome like so um I mean kind of where, where did it all start stuff you like in terms of your own golf then like where did you start playing and learning the game and that so i was about eight years old my dad had started to uh, play golf he was uh, quite a good um footballer and then after he um yep. sort of finished playing football he was looking for a new hobby so he started playing <laughs> golf it was uh, it was excellent to fill the time isn't it um so he started at climb and then yep. he took me down a few times and to be honest it wasn't um it wasn't sort of love at first sight with golf at that <laughs> point you know such a hard sport isn't it when you, when you start so just hacking it along the floor yeah but then he kept sort of taking me down and then he got me a lesson with the, the club pro at the time there eric um he'd been a long time club pro um so I, I just had one lesson and you know he made a couple of adjustments to my grip <laughs> when he even this bunker is about 70 yards away so um and i just hit this like really high shot right in the middle of the bunker i was like oh wow this is this is pretty cool so yeah. um <laughs> Pretty much from that point onwards, then I was I was off and running. So it was a great excuse for my dad because he could get to play golf all the time and take me with him. Yeah, so, <laughs> yeah, you need you need that driving force as well. Mm-hmm. When you as a kid, you know, I was doing lots of different other sports, and you know, I was just just really lucky to be able to you know have him to take me down and, and play and practice all the time. But yeah, loved it, absolutely loved it from that moment onwards. Really did. So he didn't say, "Oh, oh you should be a footballer," because <laughs> I was a footballer. He he was just happy you were playing sport, was he? Yes, I think so. I mean, I just played loads of different sports. I mean, it, yeah. uh, it's all through school and, you know, they allowed me to play everything. Tennis, literally hockey, football, golf, cricket, everything you could possibly imagine. <laughs> so it would be badminton, squash. So I just loved all any sports. sort of sport. That was, that was always my, my thing. You know, I sort of did yeah. okay in school. I, you know, I wasn't um, like particularly driven sort of academically, but I always did enough to to get through but sport was always my was more was my thing so um but yeah it, you know let me let me play most which i think is for a kid is really key now because they get sort of pigeonholed into a sport very quickly don't they so oh definitely i think yeah. you know yeah i think you know it's you know it's proven that it's that cross um having different sports is definitely beneficial uh, to help you in in another sport i mean there's heaps of um great golfers isn't there who are like really good at other sports too isn't it or or vice versa they were they were really good at other sport and then they swapped to golf and i know yeah and i mean you get to the point with a lot of these a lot of these guys they're making decisions between okay shall i be you know shall i be a an nfl player or am i going to be a golfer or am i going to be a tennis player or a golfer yeah. I mean, it's, a, it's amazing talent out there isn't it yeah no it's crazy i mean like even even some of them become the basketballers some of them are almost good enough to be a kind of um, you know, satellite tour player sort of thing, aren't they? You know, <laughs> no, yeah, it's amazing, isn't it? You see these guys, yeah. you know, they give up sort of football and, they're all, and they're, then they sort of try, okay, well, I'll try to turn professional in golf. I mean, 
yeah, it's uh, it's amazing, really, isn't it? You know, if you've got that sport and ability, I'm sure it's, it definitely helps it transfer to other sports. Oh, for sure, yeah. So, um, I mean, like, at what point did you kind of start dedicating yourself more to golf then and decide, you know, you wanted to kind of make a career out of it? And Yeah, I mean, probably from, um, I mean, I was playing, like, say, a lot of sports up until probably about 15 and then around about 14, 15, I was like, okay, I was starting to, I was starting to play for the county junior setup yeah. and starting to go away and play more tournaments. And then, you know, you just want to do it more, don't you? And I, I was, you know, I wanted, I wanted to sort of compete at a higher level. Yeah. And then you think, well, well I'm just going to put more time into it. So about that time, you know, I was still playing stuff in school, but I probably wasn't doing stuff outside of school like I was before. So it would be like every, every minute of every day that was free would be hitting balls, play with my, with my mates at the golf club and then and then traveling around playing yeah that's awesome like so I mean who who were kind of like some of the good players that you had around or like mentors and that when you were growing up and that you kind of looked up to and stuff so I think like at, at the time it was like within our juniors I played both at Angland and, <clears throat> and Thetford as, as a junior and we just yeah. had both sections I wouldn't say there was any real like a standout okay this was the guy I was eyeing up it was just amazing standard of competitive environment yeah, really competitive yeah. environment and, and it wasn't really like there was a, a great junior system in play um we do a <laughs> bit of junior coaching on the weekend it was just we all playing. got together and we yeah. all practiced together and we all yeah. played together and it was like you know like old school you dropped on the golf club at eight o'clock in the morning yeah. <laughs> you, you know first thing you do is you hit some balls then you go play 18 holes you come in you have a bacon roll and you do some practice and you're back out for another 18 holes and it was just that environment that just came from being around your peers and then you know we all, it was competitive we all went to beat, beat each other so we all sort of drove each other on to um you know to get better oh, that's cool man i mean that's that's kind of the best way to get going I isn't think, it or it used to be <laughs> yeah yeah no i think you know i think it's probably changing now isn't it? And... um but i think you know you just can't have that that competitive environment like i suppose you get like you get in a team sport isn't it that does uh you know can obviously you work as a team but you, it definitely drives you all to be better oh definitely drive each other on um so like a kind of what point did you uh, decide to go do more down like the coaching route you know and and pursue the pga qualification and so when um, when i left school I, I finished my gccs and that point i was like well i just wanted to i wanted to be a golfer uh, yeah. as you all do that i to be a tour <laughs> player you know? i'm gonna go on and win majors you know you have these big ambitions as we all do at that age you know that's good um, there yeah, yeah, yeah. It's sort of a little bit green, but you know, Very that's big. that's just ambition. Yeah, that's what you get into golf for, don't you, at that, that point. But then I got a job at um <clears throat> Klein Golf Club with Mark Bevan. Yeah. And uh, started my training then. So I was just sort of coming up to 17 at that point, sort of 16, 17. So um I'd started the training there. I was still playing junior golf at that stage. And then um once I turned pro, because I turned pro at 17, really just a pretty much my last year yeah. at juniors. Uh, Mark was a really good player. He was playing like loads of regional golf. Uh, he'd won like the West region. He played in the BMW um, at Wentworth because the winner used to oh, play wow. in that. So he was, he was a super keen player, but definitely not um, into coaching. So I was quite <laughs> lucky. As soon as, as, soon as I uh, went in there, he was like, look, you do, you do the coaching. I'm, I'm not really sort of, I don't think he was really into it. So I just got a really great exposure from to, to doing lots and lots of lessons, you know, probably a little bit at that stage. I didn't really know much. I was just in my year, one of my training. So I was just learning my basics, yeah. you know, ball and stance. On, on the job. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then, you know, just from there, it was like, right, okay. I was sort of 
doing a lot of that around playing um, and coaching the band, but I was enjoying it. And, you know, I was starting to get more decent players, even though I was like a year two assistant, I was starting to get some like like first lot of single figure golfers. Then you get your first Mm. category one golfer, then all of a sudden you get your first scratch golfer. So I was starting to get more and more players. And then as you start to sort of build that um, stable of players, I was just sort of like, okay, well, I, I quite like doing this. But, but I was still playing quite a lot as well at that point. So around about sort of 17, 18, and then when I got to about 21, I uh, started at Hensall. That was when I was sort of pretty much full out into coaching. That was a, going a full-time coaching role. Yeah, so it sounds like you, right from the get-go, you were basically <clears throat> coaching when you right from... Yeah, yeah. I mean, just first job. My training have done, you know, like thousands of lessons, whereas, you know, some assistants have hardly done any coaching at that point. So I was just sort of thrown into it. I mean, I think, again, like I say, a lot of it was making it up as I go along at the beginning. But, you know, I sort of did enough to get to get results. I think kept it quite basic. And, and sometimes that's all you need with a yep. lot of golfers, those fundamentals, right? You're not going to go too far wrong at the at the sort of development level, aren't you? So we, did you kind of see results, at, you know, this, the stuff that you got people working on and, the, um, you know, slight changes you made? Yeah, yeah, it was, again, it was just really basic stuff, you yeah. know, because a lot of the, the players at that point were just club golfers and a lot of it was, you know, poor alignment, poor grip, yeah. you know, <laughs> poor, you know, the real basic fundamentals. Basic stuff, yeah. And Yeah, and you made those adjustments and that was really about my level at that stage because I was, you know, like I say, I was pretty green to it. I was just going through my training and then as I was going on, I was just learning on the go. So, you know, a lot of my development came from trying stuff. Some of it worked, some of it didn't. Yeah. And then, you know, that sort of, that experience helped me sort of grow my, uh, my skill set a little bit. So, I mean, how, how's it evolved now? Like one of the sort of stuff you do now, looking back, that's, that's like completely different, you know, that you wouldn't do now. And yeah, I mean, I think it's just, it's chalk and cheese really. There's, yeah. there's still, look, the fundamentals are still important for every golfer at every level. They, they never get overlooked. Mm. Um, but I just think the way it's changed now, um more now for me it was more about coaching swing years ago you know, just yep. get this person bringing better to get them to hit the ball now it's much more delving into performance so we're yeah, still definitely. looking at obviously how they swing the club and using the track man to back up our changes and, and do testing to see what the skill level like and trying to expand that but really it's going deeper into it now isn't it you know it's it's all those levels of performance you know, it's not just the swing, it's, you know, the nutrition, the fitness, how they're sleeping, you know, the yeah. of all the things like whoop, you know, which I'm starting to use of players. So we're looking at, you know, understanding their sleep patterns and how important that is. And, and, and also then not <laughs> overtraining on days when they yeah. get a low recovery. It's just, you know, the levels of, of performance are, there's so many things besides a golf swing. And I think that's the big thing we found as we go along, you know, it's, it's things like the home life, you know, how they're practicing, now they're getting the best out of their practice sessions. So really the swing stuff is probably a small percentage of small what percentage. I do with, wow. with the better players. But really as then, as I still work with a lot of club golfers as well. Then yes, you know, you're sort of building this skill set up with those, with those players. Yeah. And then as the more you know, established players, you're just looking to go, how can, I, how can I squeeze a quarter a shot off this player to really you know, improve their performance in putting, short game, approach play, yeah. whatever it may be. So, so like you don't just focus on um, one main area like uh, swing or fitness or putting or it, it's literally sounds like everything from where, when you go to sleep to when you get up, you know, yeah, when you eat. And... It is. 
I think, you know, like, like, like most things, you know, when you, it takes time to build that relationship up and to get yeah. that depth, you know, you don't jump into that session when you probably scare the life out of people if you did that. But, you know, as you spend more time with these players and a lot of them I've worked with for long periods of time, you know, it's, you know, you, you get to know them as well, don't you? You know, you sort of yeah. get to see when they turn up, are they a bit cranky that day, you know? <laughs> You know, what did you do last night? Did you have a good sleep? Or, you know, it is. So, you, you know, you sort of, you could start to sort of look at why um, certain things might be affecting their performance. So, um, and, you know, and it's just being more open to, to looking deeper than, you know, just how they swing the golf club. Um, yeah, I know, I know you do uh, quite a bit of coaching or James Fraser works with you, doesn't he? And you coach him as well. Yeah. He's a yeah, really so good He's brilliant. I mean, you know, he's very talented, um, very talented yeah. player. And, um, you know, it's he's, he's always exciting to work with someone who's, you know, got that sort of ability. Um, you know, we worked together early doors uh, when I was at Morriston. So he's yeah. one of the first kids I went there on the, on the first evening. He James was there. That's why I didn't know he was. He introduced himself. He was like a little short kid now. He's like six foot two and a bit now. So. <laughs> <laughs> but he was a little kid and they're sort of like, you know, if you, if you want any help, I'll help you out. And we worked together. He called you around. Yeah, no, he got in the national setup, and it was great to see him, you know, go play yeah. and become like a top, you know, forty odd player in the world at amateur level, and go on and mm. you know, sort of achieve some good stuff. And then we got back working together in two thousand and um, late two thousand seventeen. So um, you know, I dropped him a message um, around there, just saying like, you know, if you want some help, let's let, let's, try, let's try to get back together. And you know, he reached out and said, yeah, let's, let's do it. So we worked together, and it's been it's been going well. So we're, you know, we're sort of looking to. You know, work towards achieving those goals. It's a bit of a shame the last year because obviously tour school have been cancelled the last yeah. two years because of COVID. So it's a shame for James because he's you know he is playing well, uh, but he's just doing all the things he can do in the meantime to prepare for when that opportunity arises next year. Yeah, I mean certainly the last year or two, there's been a much reduced number of opportunities for the guys coming oh, through, isn't it? Like if you're already there, then it's it's probably worked out okay. Like, but um, not for guys well, like yeah. James, yeah. Yeah, no, no, totally. But um, yeah, and hopefully, you know, you know, he's working towards that, achieving those goals. As, you know, with a lot of the players, you know, we're all sort of working towards different goals. And with the players I work in, everyone's coming with a different goal. But I think it's key that we know, and that's one of the first things I, I say when we, we work with new players, like, what are we working towards? You know, what are we yeah. trying to achieve? Whether that's a handicap reduction or that's a reduction in uh, shots, uh, in shots gained on certain aspects of the game or their trying to become, you know, like I've had some kids recently come in great, you know, uh, ambitions of, you know, they want to be tour pros. Um, and it's exciting when you when you get that and you hear that from a young kid, it's like, oh, wow, it's, just, it's great to hear that sort of ambition, isn't it? So, I mean, are you, are you kind of encouraging that? Like if, if a 10-year-old kid comes in and goes, hey, I want to be, you know, I want to win the Masters, do you say, oh, that's great, you know, let's let's get after this sort of thing? Or... Yeah, no, definitely. I think, you know, you don't want to crush a kid's dream. No. You know, I think, um, you know, you want to encourage that. And along the way, you know, you've got to give them the realities as well, isn't it? And, and that's, oh, yeah, it's, getting, it's getting that blend right, isn't it? Yeah. You know, managing, managing the player is one of the most important things that we have to do as coaches. And every player will need something different. You know, sometimes they need the hard yeah. ball. Sometimes they need the arm around them. So, mm. you know, as a coach, and that's what I was saying to you earlier mm. on, you know, once you build that rapport with the player, you sort of know more what they need and what they don't need. Uh, and when to be tough and when to be sort of nurturing, really. Yeah, so it, it kind of depends on different different players and, you know, what point they're at and stuff, really. 100%. Yeah, yeah, <clears> totally. <throat> I know it's always great when they, you know, when someone comes and they know what they want to do. And that's, yeah, 
always I've, I've tried to say to or anyone I work with, I'll work with anyone of any skill level as long as they're committed and they're goal-driven and they know what they're working towards. And, and that's great. And I, I get just as much enjoyment out of that as dealing with, uh, you know, an international golfer as someone who's just aspiring down to get to category one or single figures or whatever it may be they're trying to work towards as long as they're committed. It's, you know, I'm all in on that. And so, I mean, what, what's your kind of thoughts on like, um, you know, coaching a player versus their kind of natural ability? Do you, do you think that like you can take any player, say off a Ted handicap and if they put the work in, can they get down to say scratch or, you know, yeah, your experience? Look, I think, yeah, I think, I think, you know, like I've worked with a lot of players that have, you know, I would say maybe what you would have thought initially have overachieved, you know, from from when they first come in. And then and then there's players who are extremely skilled who probably underachieve because maybe yeah. that application's not there, you know. Yeah. I've seen many times, you know, great players, you stand there and watch and think, wow, this kid's special, you know, and suddenly they go, they go on the golf course and it, they can't do it, you know, whatever it may be, or they, they don't put that application in, they don't practice in the right, right way to put themselves under pressure to prepare themselves for the golf course. But I, I think, you like, you know, like anything, there's you've got to have a skill set and there's a natural yeah. ability. And certainly, you know, you can see with some kids when they come in or some players, like, you know, this person moves really well. It's got a great attitude. They've got great physicality You know, all these little things are going to go for us. But um, yeah, who's to say what, you know, who can't achieve what in there? No, definitely. From that yeah. day one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you got, I guess you've got to put it all together, haven't you? Like whatever you've got, you've just got to make the most of what you've got, haven't you? And then... Totally. Yeah. I mean, just do, do your own thing, isn't it? You know, and just be who you are. I think there's too much that, you know, we try to be what we see on the TV and, you know, yeah. okay, we're not all going to be like, I'm just watching now Bryson DeChambeau. I mean, it's, you know, it's <laughs> incredible what we're doing with the golf ball. Um, but doesn't mean that the other players aren't competing who hit it 50, 60 yards shorter than him. You know, Pat, Patrick Cantlay is up there again today, isn't he? And he showed, okay, he's not short, but the putting performance offset anything that, Bryson gained on the on the team so I suppose you've got to really work within what your strengths are as well rather than trying to become you know someone who hits it 350 yards as well yeah now Patton last week uh it was it was quite eye-opening wasn't it how he just held putt after putt and, and it looked like you know he just couldn't lose if you held those putts oh, it comes down to yeah I know when it when it gets to that and it looks like a bucket it's just it's such a good feeling isn't it you know but I sent a couple of clips to some of the, some of the players yeah. I coached. You know, just the rhythm of his stroke was, was yeah. beautiful. It just didn't change, didn't get short and quick, or you know, just beautiful for the for the whole tournament. So he looks like he's carrying it on again this week. Yeah, I mean, none of those patsy hold were were kind of easy little pats, were they? You know, they were really test, really tricky. Oh. <laughs> yeah, you know, like those those clunk, those um those sort of clinch putts, isn't it? And Morikawa did it as well, didn't he, when he won the other day, you know, just those 10, 15 footers down those last five, six holes are just crucial, aren't they? You know, momentum keepers. Yeah, it makes the difference there, doesn't it? Um, oh. Normally between winning and losing, but... Um, so, like, when you're coaching, do you, do you kind of follow, like, do you have sort of routines or uh, drills that you use as well? And, and, like, any specific kind of ones, or does it depend on the player and... Yeah, I'm very much on the player. I mean, I like, yeah. um, you know, I, I don't I don't mind using a training aid as, as something to bring in now and again. I lot yeah. use a lot of the total golf trainer training aids. I think they're really good. They're really versatile. You can, you can add that in. I think that's a really nice thing to help the player get some feels. Um, using drills with tall sticks on sharp planes, you know, to help them get the understanding of, 
to try to create that little bit of um, uh, restriction in how they can move. So allow them to sort of explore a little bit the movements without me sort of manipulating the club into position more. I quite like that. Yeah. You know, something like you put a little bit of um, you know, restriction in how they can move by putting setting the shaft angle, letting them to explore that. And then you might need them bring them back a little bit if they start to just lift it away and, and things like that to, to, to try to move it the other side. Uh, but it would be very much dependent on the player. Um, I, lots and lots of drills, in all honesty. Uh, but I do like the player to try to explore the movement themselves yeah. rather than probably years ago, I would have done a lot of manipulating, you know, when I first started coaching and pushing them into positions. And, and I think that's still an important part of what you do, but it's not, I wouldn't do as much of it now, yeah, certainly with it. more skilled players. You know, if I think if I went to sort of when I, you know, a lot of my sort of better players and started sort of moving them around, they probably think, oh, what are you, what are you doing? You know, it's, they, you know, you can sort of show them and then they'll, add these little restrictions in and then they'll they'll find it themselves so are there kind of like players that you kind of aspire you know your the guys you're training to look like or to be like or or does it all just depend on you know the best for each person sort of thing very much to the individual yeah. like i'm not a fan of making everyone look the same way which i yeah. which i see a lot of the you know the instagram sort of swing <laughs> where you know you're nailing all those beautiful positions but you know we look on tour those people are actually in the minority, the type of player that works that way, yeah. you know, a Tim Rose, an Adam Scott, um, a Roy McIlroy, even though, okay, you know, it's, that's actually more rare. You know, actually look at the majority of them. They, there's certain positions that they tend to hit. And, and that's one of the things that I like to see is P2, P6, waist tight up, waist tight down. Yeah, I do like to see my players try to hit those positions. Mm. But if the, if the player has a little bit of bow or a little bit of cup or a little bit of cross or a little bit laid, I'm, I'm not bothered with that as long as it's functional and repeatable. So if they can create a functional yeah. movement that delivers really great numbers under pressure and they can move the, club, the ball both ways with that swing, then fantastic. That's what it's all about. If I see that they can't move um, the, the swing in the right direction to create the correct ball flight and control yeah. of, the, of the face-to-path relationship, especially in a pressure situation, then we might start to look at changing particular angles, whether it's how the shaft is moving through um, the backswing or particularly into downswing. So there's no real set way. It's very mm. much in the individual. Um, but there is certain, like a bit of a framework that I like to work yeah. within, very much particularly around, you know, how the body sits, how the pelvis sits in relation to the torso. Those are the yeah. things I think are a bit non-negotiable, ideally, because I think mm. if you don't get that set up right, then you you have to make these adaptions in your golf swing to to move into positions which normally will cause issues. So there is a framework, but um, very much that there's a lot of it which will be to the individual because you know we all have different ranges of movement. We're all different physicality. So you know why would we all want to swing the same way? I totally get that. And um, I mean, like you, so you sounds like you still think it's important to get. Do, do guys need to? Um, shape it both ways, like left, right, and right to left, or, or do you mean more from a kind of your swing works? Yeah, no. best. I, I, you know, the best players can do it. Now yeah. they might stick to a ball like a like a stock shot. Yeah. So a St. Johnson's a prime example of someone really just hits a fade all the time. Um, now, obviously, in this country, we might not be able to have that choice all the time because of you know the different conditions we're going to play in with with heavier winds. Yeah. Um, I just think it's good that I, I like players to hit stock. I think that's just sometimes hitting what you know under pressure is really key. But when you've got to access those tight pins or it's a dog leg, it's just great to be able to stand there and be comfortable hitting that shot, 
even if you don't use it very often. What I don't want my players to do is go, I'm going to hit a cap because I can't hit a draw. That's what I don't want. <laughs> you know? I want them to hit yeah. a cap because it's the right shot, not because yeah. they can't hit the other shape. Or they're hitting a low wedge in there because they don't feel comfortable hitting a floaty one in there. So, you know, that's, yeah, work with the stock. But I do like players to be able to have the ability to move the ball both directions, certainly at the highest skill there. At the highest level, level, yeah. Yeah, yeah, certainly, yeah. Maybe not the 36 handicapper, but no. definitely <laughs> the elite player like <laughs> 20 degrees to the target would do, you know, as, as, the, as the handicap gets higher. Yeah. So like who would be the best, the best player like you've either coached or played with or, or even just watched um, like? Yeah. I mean, sort of played with, um, like I played with Rob Rock and you know, yeah. in open qualifying. So I uh-huh. played a bit of um, regional golf, uh, played a bit on the, um, the Midlands tour, which he was on when I on the Midlands. He was region. on there, wasn't he? Yeah, before yeah, he got on. I was West tour. Region, but I went and played yeah. a couple of events there in between uh, events and and played with him. Or he was in front of me, and then we played in uh, open qualifier. He was impressive. Uh, Brandy Dredge was was one of the best pros I've seen, as in yeah. professionally was. Yeah. Uh, when I was in Seoul, uh, Bradley was there. I used to practice a little bit, and then when I was playing a bit, we played a bit of golf together. Me, him, and Matt Deedon, a few of the other the guys, and I was just really impressed by his professionalism. Yeah. I mean, good ball striker, but sort of just how a pro should should look was impressive. Neil Roderick for the workability of the golf ball. The guy can do anything with the shape of the shot and literally one of the best drivers of the golf ball I've ever seen. And I've played hundreds and hundreds of rounds of golf. They might count on my two hands, the amount of bad drives I've seen. Bad him drives. <laughs> that many, one round. He's done that many, like hundreds of rounds. So that's impressive. I think James is a, a, a long iron player is really impressive you know very very crisp strike incredible distance you can create as, as a driver of one and a good short game as well um so i suppose it's like lots of different aspects from different players and then from watching people um sergio garcia and uh roy mcroy were, were just i went to watch them in abu dhabi i was out there doing a bit of coaching at a golf at a golf club yeah. out there and um we went to the golf course and I was just watching the, you know, the majority of the players hitting up this par five and they were all just hitting up the centre of the fair. And then just Sergio and Rory just took this line, which is like 50 yards right away everyone else is hitting and just bombed one over <laughs> the corner, like another 50 yards to carry. And it was just a different strike in sound. So um, yeah, they, those, those guys are obviously pretty impressive. They've, they've had good careers, haven't they? So have, have you got like a favourite out of all of those or have you just got parts that are, you know, of each. Parts of, I think it's parts of everything, isn't it? You know? If you could put them all together, there's the other player, isn't it? My, my hero, Sebi. So, oh, hero, yeah, of yeah, course, yeah, 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 of course. He's my, he's my, uh, he's my number one. You know, so just watching him. I went to watch him um, in the Epsom Grand Prix, and it was, yeah. God, it was like about ten, probably like 1989, and wow. you know, just he was just <laughs> unbelievable. And we watched him practicing in the bunker, myself and my dad, and it was just I've never seen. People, anyone play a bunker shot of like that? It was it was like he's hitting ping pong balls out. They were just coming out completely high and unbelievably floaty, and then just landing on a <laughs> towel. Out, it's just incredible. I mean, it must have seemed even more amazing because I was ten as well. But still, <laughs> it made an impression. <clears throat> no, that's amazing memories. I mean, um, yeah, lots of people that all the time mention Sevi still, don't they? So you know, he's still kind of had the best short game out of anyone and the best sort of touch and feel and. Oh, yeah, incredible. You know, when you got Tiger Woods looking up to Sebi Ballesteros, you know, then you know you're good. Yeah, heaps of players would ask him for lessons or just watch him, wouldn't they? Lots of pros say, oh, I yeah. just watched, watched him, just yeah. 
because he's such yeah, a legend. Yeah, no, it was just that was a privilege just to sort of be able to sort of watch him sort of hit, you know, hit those shots and think, well, you know, that's, that's something really cool that a lot of people would have, would have loved to have seen. So, uh, you know, I was very, very lucky, very privileged to see that. Um, have you got any anything that's kind of a crazy thing that's happened to you, you know, while you've been coaching or playing golf? Um, normally ask people for kind of one of their crazy stories or funny ones. And uh, some people have, have some really good ones and others don't have any. I, I, would, I, I wouldn't say anything crazy. Um, I mean, for some funny stories, I'm trying to think of like, there was, when we worked in the, in the shop at Klein, it was, yeah. I was, I was, I was assistant pro and one of the lads that I was, um, <laughs> Richie, Richie McCann, a really good friend of mine. He I coached him for years and he went out to America to, uh, to Bethune Cookman on a golf scholarship. And then the, in the summer he'd come back and he'd, and he'd help out in the yeah. shop. And, uh, Richie was, was a funny lad. And, uh, we were in the pro shop and this guy walks in and he, like, he goes to see Richie at the counter. I'm filling up the fridge and this guy goes like, <laughs> Is there is there water on the golf course? And he's like, Yeah, Rich, yeah, there's water on the on the back of ninth, there's water on seventh, and there's water down the third, just just past the tee, there's there's water on the sixth, then down the twelfth. <laughs> he's like, so he's telling all these pace what the guy's like, oh, I'm gonna get some balls, you know. So this guy buys like two dozen like tobalatas, whatever they were at the time, they're like 60 quid. And then I walked up Rich, like, Rich, you know he's he's asking about like lakes. He's like, oh, I thought he was on about the taps. <laughs> so he told this, he told this guy like all these different things. He just told him where the taps are for the guy to have a drink. <laughs> That's brilliant. Uh, it's brilliant. A good sales, but, good sales tactic, that isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it's good. Yeah, exactly. It's right. No, it's it some, it some good times. You know, good, good fun working in pro shops. Yeah, there's quite a lot of banter there, isn't there? Or it used to be oh, I know. back in the day that guys would come in and you know, talk to the assistants or the pro when they about their game and have a bit of a laugh and that. Oh, I know, totally. It'd be like, it'd be like therapy sessions sometimes. You, know, you, <laughs> you get to the guys say, well, they, uh, they're spilling their, their uh, inner thoughts to you on a weekly basis. No, it's, it's great. I mean, that's, that's the great thing with golf. You just get to meet so many people from so many varied walks of life. And it's really cool, you know, and it's like a common interest, isn't it? Which is, is, is really nice. It brings people together golf, doesn't it? You know, it doesn't matter what you do for a living. You know, when you play golf, you've always got that sort of, uh, you know, sort of respect for each other, isn't it? And something to talk about common interest. Yeah, definitely. Like, so uh, I've seen you've got quite a long, long list of uh, really good, good coaching achievements here. Like what, what sort of stands out for you as recently, you know, uh, something that's been really nice to, uh, for you to be awarded and stuff? Yeah, I mean, um, I was very lucky in 2000. Um, so in the middle of lockdown, really, yeah. I got awarded the fellow of the PGA uh, status, which was which was really nice. Um, sort of for my coaching achievements, in particular for uh, developing juniors yeah. uh, from from juniors to elite performers. Um, a, a lot of that came from you know, the, the work I've done with the juniors over the years. And when I was at Morriston, uh, we didn't really have much of a junior section. We first went there, but myself and yeah. Matthew, the, my assistant at the time. Um, we worked on sort of a junior program there and we got those off and running and we got some new kids turning up and then the next week about four or five more kids turned up and then we had about you know 15 20 kids in the program then starting off so from from nothing and they were all super competitive so a bit like the environment we talked about um yeah, your, your one, yeah. We, we had that and that's just hmm. that peer group thing is, is so beneficial isn't it you know we, okay. we were doing a lot of work trying to build their skill set up and yeah on a weekly basis and then i was working with a lot of them individually as they as they started to improve technically a lot of them were getting down towards scratch golf yeah and then in 2000 and 
I'm trying to think now, it's about 2009, we won the county championship, which was a really great achievement. And then the next year, then we won the county championship and we won the national final. So for the Welsh wow. golf clubs, it was, that was yeah, amazing from a small golf club. And this set of peewees really had just come from complete beginners to see that journey into becoming national champions. You know, so we, we're playing the, you know, the likes of Celtic Manors and Porth Course. So we, yeah. it was a really, you know, lovely uh, to see the kids come through like that. And then we went to the, the national finals then in La Torre, in Mercia. And uh, they, they uh, in front of Sky TV, which is obviously a big step <laughs> up for those kids, you know, uh, they, they tied for the championship. And we, we lost on the count back, unfortunately. Oh, no. it was, yeah, it was just fantastic, you know. It was, you, know, you had some kids there who were just relishing the moment and then <clears> you know, couldn't wait to get out there and get in front of the TV. And then and then you'd wow. have other kids there literally almost in tears, you know. Yeah, and then it's, we'd have a lot of pressure at that there. age. Yeah, you know, we were like, right, control the process, you know, just control your yeah. controllables. And, you know, we got these things to do and we sort of got them around. And, they, you know, a lot of those kids played beautifully. So that was a really nice achievement. And then uh, some of the stuff I've done with the my sort of uh, elite squad, which I set up at Mohannes in 2013, which is with my um, sort of best 12 players that I would coach on an individual basis, under yeah. 18. Uh, and then we brought in like a team of mentors that would work with them. I'd work with them mostly on a, on a monthly basis. We'd get together normally once or twice a month and spend like a half a day or a day together, uh, depending on what we were working on. And we'd build a skill set. We'd get them to understand the practice properly. Then we'd bring in um, the likes of like Zach Gould, uh, yeah. who's the national conditioning coach, to work on their functional movement for golf. Dr. Zach. Yeah, Dr. Zach. Yeah, he's fantastic. <laughs> you know, and we, we still integrate a lot of this stuff into our programs now. Yeah. And then we have sports psychologists come in. We'd have touring pros come in and sort of do chats with them and we sort of built these team of mentors around them and yep. then we developed all those players into most of them became county players and a lot of them went on to become national players and, and into the national system so again it's really nice when you're seeing them go from yeah. that level and you feel like you've had a bit of an input to help them achieve their goals yeah no that's awesome yeah i mean like i know um i've spoke to dr zach you mentioned you know remember him as a player as well he was there phenomenal player but now he's so, like, done a lot incredible. with the coaching scene hasn't he his his uh yeah. whole I mean, platform him is and, awesome. yeah him and his team they're you know they're nailing, they're nailing it aren't yeah. they? you know they really you know got a great a fantastic setup uh, and it's constantly evolving and i just think it's great isn't it it's just getting these kids into great well just goal golfers into just really good habits you yeah, know having a look yeah. at themselves just in general well-being but you know, yeah. we, we integrate it into our development program with our juniors, which uh, my, uh, my other coaches um, deliver that coaching. And uh, at the development level, we have the Dr. Golf app. So they, uh, all, all the kids have access to that. Um, so they can oh, wow. start to go, get into those great um, you know, habits of functional movement for golf and, and fitness in general. So it's, yeah, it's good. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, so before I let you go, um, I, I know you've done a few crazy things in your time. Do you want to tell me about the one, one of the crazy ones you did that I heard about all these marathons back to back? Yeah, this is with um, and why you did that. Was, <laughs> I can't even remember what year it is. I think I blocked it out. Maybe like 2015, maybe? Oh. I can't remember. Something like that. I think <laughs> I haven't quite got over it yet. It's still quite a big news story. Like, yeah, it's, yeah, there's yeah, a lot of uh, if you Google hits and stuff. Yeah, so, oh, okay, right. So, 2015. 2015. Yeah, a good friend of ours. Um, their daughter had some cystic fibrosis so we were doing some fundraising and we wanted to do something to try to you know sort of raise yeah. some money for um for the research for it really and um, myself and gareth who was a fitness instructor you know i we'd always, yeah. I'd always do the gym we'd have a good chat and he's, he's a great he's a great lad and we're like well we should do something let's 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 like 
let's do a marathon. You know, I've only done half marathons at this point. So I was like, well, let's do a marathon. It's like, no, that's, that's, everyone does a marathon. Let's do, let's do two marathons. Okay. So we both thought, well, we'll do two marathon runs each. It's like, oh, can we do it a bit harder? Or we'll do a, what about doing 27 miles on a bike and then another 27 miles rowing as well? So we did, oh. we tried to do a marathon run, a marathon row, and then a 27 miles on a bike, so a marathon on a, on a bike, and then finally another marathon run each. Oh. So we did eight, eight between us. Um, yeah. We tried to do it in 24 hours. Yeah. So uh, we, managed, we managed to do it. The first one was, was, yeah, through the first one was like three and a half hours. And then it just, the last, the row was awful. It uh, just won the most That's painful thing. Three and a half sitting, hours. Sitting on your, on your, on your backside for mm. five and a half hours, rowing at like two o'clock in the morning was horrendous. <laughs> it was actually worse than the runs. And the last one was just an absolute ordeal. But, you know, the, you know, the, the, the sort of, the feel afterwards of doing it. And then we raised, I think it's about 6,000, five, 6,000 pounds for, for the charity as well. So yeah, it was great, but. I won't be doing anything like that for a while. <laughs> I'd rather make, I'd rather make donations nowadays. <laughs> that's, uh, that's that's a pretty pretty good effort, though, isn't it? For uh, you know a golf coach who's not like an yeah, Ironman yeah. or something to do that. Because I, I say we'd only really done. I mean, Gareth hardly did any running at all in Fenniston. He, he was he was sort of more built like a rugby player. Yeah. Um, but I sort of did a few halves. But it just shows sometimes you if you get your head in the right space, you know, to suddenly go and do two marathon runs each you know that was quite a you know sort of achievement if you get your head in the right space it's incredible what you can you can sort of achieve isn't it god you must have been uh, feeling a little bit broken after that eh? oh <laughs> physically we went through <laughs> yeah we, it was like lots of red bulls water about 500 jelly babies you know just, just lots of different things and it was great because you know the members are coming in and family would be coming in so you always had that little pick me up as because we did yeah. in the gym they'll pick me up as people were coming in and sort of cheering you on so it was it was cool there was you know it's like crazy crazy um thing to do but yeah we, we did it so it was quite an achievement for us wow no that's awesome man all right well cool look uh really appreciate uh you um, having the time to talk and stuff and yeah that's really interesting really interesting journey and um the coaching that you've done has been really uh, impressive especially and seeing guys like you know james on tour and stuff as well and all those guys you coach up to county and national level sounds like you've had lots of input there that's really helped them all so keep up the great work thanks jack yeah appreciate yeah. that and for, thanks thanks for having me on nice to nice to have a chat and uh, hope everything's uh, okay for you and settle stuff back down up there soon yeah hope we get back on the golf course in the next few yeah. days <laughs> all right mate yeah, take, take it easy all the best Thanks for your time. See you, see Thanks, you, mate. See you.